Welcome to For Your Formation. I'm Anna Rachel Bolch, a spiritual formation writer and teacher dedicated to helping you keep life with God simple, never shallow. On For Your Formation, we'll let thoughtfulness and curiosity lead the way toward Christ-likeness. Through everyday spiritual formation, we'll discover more joy and freedom together. It is my absolute pleasure to get to introduce to you today my dear friend, Carla H. Hayden. So one thing you need to know about Carla is that she is very passionate about empowering women to lead from their lane, which we will be talking about in this episode coming right up. So stay tuned. Something else you might need to know about Carla is that she describes herself as a maturity coach, which yes, please, don't we all need that sometimes? (laughs) And she also describes herself as a marketplace shepherd. Um, meaning that she knows how to help others find their confidence and lead well by coming alongside them with a mama's heart and the truth of God's word. And when she says that in her bio, y'all, she really does live it. I would not have brought Carla into this space if I didn't believe that she truly had wisdom and encouragement and a true gift to share with you. So please stay tuned for this conversation. Let's get right into it. Well, welcome, Carla, to the For Your Formation podcast. Thank you so much, Anna Rachel. I am so excited to be here with you and your community. It's such an honor. Oh, well, thank you. That makes me feel so special. And I feel like we need to tell the people at least a little bit how we know each other, Um, just because I think it gives good context to our topic, actually. Um, So I'm going to I'm going to say how we know each other and then you can fill in the gaps. Okay. Sounds great. Okay, so we met through working at the same company. I actually, Mm -hmm. in my last interview that I did for that company, I was meeting with the person who was going to be my director at the time. And at the end of the conversation, she had already offered me the job, everything. At the end of our conversation, she said, and next you're going to get to meet our COO, Clarity Carla. You're going to love her. I mean, already like high bar there coming from who that was too. And so then as soon, like the next week, I'm having a Zoom meeting with you and she was totally right. I was like, oh, I love her. She's the best. And I love that. (laughs) And so we know each other from working there. And so you were my boss. I mean, that's right. Really? I was your boss. And I distinctly remember we had a very specific hiring process at this company. It was a fully remote organization. And so all of the interviewing was online. It was Zoom videos. It was YouTube videos, all the things. And I remember your interview process. I remember, (laughs) and we had hundreds of applicants, thousands for different positions. And I remember seeing your video in each step. It was probably a three-step process. And I just remember you in each step of the way. And I was like, I love her already. I already know I'm going to love her. And it was just the saddest thing that you and I, it was probably a good year that we were working together before we actually got to meet in real life and hug each other. And uh, from there, it just became less of like colleagues and more of friends. And I love that we've stayed connected, even though we're not working together on a daily basis in our nine to five anymore and keeping each other accountable in our respective businesses, but also 
being prayer partners and supporters and champions of each other's work. So I love that that's our origin story, but I love that that's also not where things ended between us. Exactly. It quickly became, oh, this is a person that I can go to in my own life for advice about work, about friendship, about marriage, about, you know, about all of these different things. This is someone who I can trust to um, to help me develop in these ways in my spiritual formation, in all these different aspects mm-hmm. of my life. And that's been so special. And so I wanted people to know that just because, you know, I didn't just find some schmo off the street <laughs> to come and talk about work and career and life with God. No, like this is someone that I fully trust and take her advice to heart. And so I know that you all are also going to just adore her and love her. All right, Carla, we just, we need to jump into questions then. It's just. Sounds great. Let's do do it. Let's do it. So one of the things that you often say is that you want to teach women how to lead well in their lane. And I've heard that so many times (laughs) through working with you, you know, in your company. And once we both left that company, I've heard you say it multiple times, but I want to know what exactly does that mean to you? Yeah, for me to lead well in your lane, it actually starts with leading yourself well. And, you know, you may never be the head of this or the chief of that, but you're always going to be accountable for yourself. And so in order to lead yourself well, you have to have what I consider God awareness and self-awareness. You have Mm -hmm. to have confidence in both your identity and your identification. And here's what I mean by that. At the most basic level, your identity is how you define yourself, but your identification is how others or external sources define you. In other words, your identity is who you are, but your identification, it verifies who you say you are. So for example, in real life, I am 4'11", I'm Asian, I have brown hair, I have brown eyes, that's my identity. And if I were to show you my driver's license, my identification, it's going to verify the things that I just told you. So the reality is, is that my identity has to be true, but the identification has to verify that truth. Mm. So why do I even bring that up? And what does that have to do with leading yourself? Well, well, as Christians, our identity isn't going to be based on external appearances, like what I just mentioned, or our socioeconomic status. It's going to be based on us being new creations in Christ. It's going to be based on being found holy and righteous in him. It's be it's going to be based on being the one whom Jesus loves. It's going to be based on being a daughter of the king, a, a bride worth dying for, a bride who's preparing for her bridegroom to return. It's going to be based on being a disciple of Jesus and orienting our lives toward growing in godliness. That's our true identity as Christians, as Christ followers being who God says we are and who he created us to be and how he sees us through his eyes of love. So our identification then, the verifying evidence of that truth is going to be about how we live and move through this life, how others are verifying that Christian identity that we're claiming. And what I have found is that there's a challenge and a disconnect that comes into play because Even as Christians, we can tend to use other metrics, other standards as our identity, or we might 
you know, be able to say this is who I am, but there doesn't seem to be any external evidence or our identification doesn't verify that claim. So to lead yourself well has to first begin with an identity that's rooted in the truth of God's word. And then it's supported by a life that's lived in alignment with that identity. That's the God awareness part. But then there's self-awareness. There's that part that comes into play about knowing who we are very specifically, not just a general creation of God, but a very specific creation made in his image. And Hebrews 12, one says, let us run the race with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us. So not just any race, but the one that's marked out for us. And I have pulled up 1 Corinthians 9, 24, and I love the way that the Amplified Bible says it. It says, do you not know that in a race, all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Verse 26 says this, therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. So self-awareness then is about knowing the race or the lane that you're supposed to run in. The, the paradox is that there are these limitations and that those are good things, that having limitations on our race actually gives us more freedom to run with a level of certainty and a definite aim so that we can win the prize. And so my passion really is this, to help Christian women to lead themselves well in the lane that God has marked out for them to be for them a voice of love and encouragement in their lives, because I know that a lot of us didn't have that growing up. I really just desire to come alongside women, who, to mentor them with a mama's heart, to disciple them with the truth of God's word so that they can live from that God-given identity and run their, their race well. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I want to pause here and just say, I love that so much because in all the years that I've heard those verses, never once, never once has anyone brought in this individual like self-awareness to it. And I think that's something that's so, it's so integral to spiritual formation is that we do have these, these communal practices. We have communal um, things that we're striving for in becoming like Christ, but there's also this incredibly beautiful and mysterious way in which we all are uniquely made to be in relationship with God and our spiritual formation is impacted by by that. I, I want to talk about this intersection of faith and work then, because I think that you do this really well. Um, and like like you said already, you know, most of us are not in the C-suite. You are. <laughs> go, go you. Um, you are. Most of us who are listening are probably not. Most of us probably aren't even managers. I know in my life, you know, I'm a freelancer. I have friends who are running their own small business um, who are entrepreneurs. I know um, a lot of my friends and a lot of people listening are just kind of feel like they're starting out in their career a little bit. They may have had a couple of big girl jobs, but they're really feel early in their career. So all of our careers, our jobs are varied. So with all of that, that broad spectrum, how do you think yeah. our faith 
should influence our work? You know, it's funny. I think work gets a really bad rap. (laughs) (laughs) Say more words. (laughs) Yes. At at best, it's just seen as a means to an end. It's your paycheck. It's a title. It's your claim to fame. You know, that's at best. But at worst, it's just seen as drudgery. It's something you have to do so that you have enough financial or relational capital to do the thing you actually want to do. But when you think about work as designed by God, it actually was designed way back in Genesis before the fall. So that work is not a byproduct of sin. Work was actually designed by God as a way of worshiping him, as a way of relating to him, as a way of reflecting him, his love, his creativity, his kindness. And so when we view our work through that lens, whether it's our nine to five or it's our side hustle or it's our own entrepreneurial endeavor, that should really transform the way that we approach our work. So instead then of seeing our work as something that has little to no significance, it's just this thing set off to the side, you know, that we have to do so that we have enough time or money to do the spiritual things. No, work then becomes one of the primary ways that we actually image God to a dark and a broken world. It becomes a privilege and it becomes an opportunity for us to partner with God as he builds, you know, what Isaiah and Revelation called the new heaven and the new earth, where we will long enjoy the work of our hands. Like that is an amazing promise that what we're doing with the work of our hands today is going to in some way impact eternity. And so our faith should also lead us to the reality that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and we're all going to stand before him and we're all going to give an account for how we stewarded what was entrusted to us. And, you know, it always makes me think about the parable of the talents, which I'm sure a lot of your community is familiar with that passage of scripture um, in Matthew 25. And so for me, there's obviously a lot of things to take away from that, that passage, but specific to your question about the intersection of faith and work, it's my takeaway is this, you know, you, you have a master and you have these servants and the master's going away and he entrusts his servants with five talents, two talents, one talent. And so when I read that, I read it through the lens of, okay, Jesus as my Lord is, is my master in this scenario. And he's the owner. And, and I take on that role of a servant in this particular parable. And so he's entrusted something to me. He's entrusted a talent to me, whether that's my time or my skills or, you know, whatever that may be. And he's entrusted it to me to not just hang on to it or to bury it. He's actually giving it to me to improve upon it, uh, improve upon the gifts that he's given me and to do it until he returns. That's my work. That's what I put my hands to. And so whether your work is, again, something that you do to earn income or it's being a full-time homemaker and it's creating a home and raising your children, whatever that is, he has entrusted that to you. And so we should approach our work as a stewardship of our time and our talent and our treasure. Because I think all of us want to stand at the end of that time and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so even when we think about that passage, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of how to lead yourself well. It's having that God awareness and that self-awareness, you know, recognizing that in that scripture, 
those servants were each given different amounts. They were each entrusted with a diff different level of responsibility. And so the self-awareness comes from examining our own lives and assessing our own lives and saying, how many talents, whatever that represents, how many talents have I been given to manage? What level of responsibility have I been entrusted to steward? Because if you are somebody who has been entrusted to steward five talents, you're going to be held accountable for five talents. So don't work like you've only been entrusted with one talent. And so that the way that that translates into the everyday every day is you might just be called to lead one other person. Maybe you're called to be a full time stay at home mom. Maybe you're called to be a mentor of some kind. Um, or maybe you've been gifted to lead a multitude of people. Maybe that's in a mar in the marketplace or in a classroom or in a church setting. There's there's multiple people. For a lot of us, we're just called to lead ourselves well. We're just called to lead ourselves well in this life so that when other people are looking at us, when our family, when our friends, when our coworkers are, are watching how we carry ourselves through the highs and lows that are just natural in this life, they can see the light and the love of Christ through our kindness, through our patience, through our excellence in our craft. And so for me, when I think about this intersection of faith and work, it's for me, it doesn't have anything to do with how many people you're called to lead because leading others well doesn't actually begin once you get a corner office. It begins by leading yourself well in the prayer closet. It begins by leading yourself well in those hidden and those secret places with God. Oh, okay. That's so good. And I'm going to be dwelling on that for a while <laughs> afterward, for sure. Well, I kind of want to talk about the opposite of that then of, you know, mm -hmm. how our faith influences our work, but how how's our work influence our spiritual formation, which my definition of spiritual formation is the process of becoming like Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. So how does that, how do you think that works? I think that for most of us work, whether it's a paid gig or not, it's where we spend most of our waking hours. It's where we're going to expend most of our energy. It's where we're going to express most of our creativity. It's where we're going to invest most of ourselves relationally. And to only see our work as a vehicle through which God's providing financial provision and not as also a means of forming us spiritually, that just leaves us with a limited understanding of the purpose of work. And mm -hmm. I know for me personally, God uses my work as a means of shaping my character, as a means of, of molding my nature to reflect and respond more like Jesus, to grow in that Christ likeness, like what you're talking about. And so I know when, when I think about the ways in which God has used my work, and that's both through hard seasons as well as through promotions and taking on higher levels of responsibility earning higher levels of income it, it's not just the hard times that shape us it's also the good times and the prosperous times and so when i think about how god has used my work to shape me into becoming more like jesus i think the three things that come immediately to mind is humility and love and faithfulness um, you know, humility, it just recognizes that there is a God and I'm not him. <laughs> it, it brings me to a place of submission to his ways, even when I don't fully understand or even agree 
with the season that I might be in or the job that I might have at, at the moment, it chooses to delight and it and hope in the Lord, even in the midst of maybe difficult circumstances. I also think about the way that my work has grown me in love in all the ways that first Corinthians 13 talks about. It has grown me in long suffering. It's grown me in kindness. It's grown me to the place of, of not envying what others have of, uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier of like focusing on my own lane and not worrying about what this person or that person might be experiencing or getting or earning or whatever in their lane. It, it just has grown me in all the ways that that scripture talks about in, in love, because here's what I know. If you work with people at all, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of chances for your soul and your spirit to be formed in Christ-like love. You know, if you just so much. keep that checklist <laughs> so and you work with many chances. any other human, <laughs> you're going to yeah. get opportunities multiple so times a day, probably multiple times an hour. You know, God's going to be so gracious to you and say, here's another chance to love them <laughs> like Jesus. The first I usually don't think, thank you, Jesus, for being so gracious with this person. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you. here's the truth, right? God's not here to trip us up. He wants yeah. to promote us, but we have to have the character that can support what he wants to promote us into. And, and a huge part of that is love, loving yeah. others the way that Jesus loves. And we have an entire scripture section that tells right. us exactly what that looks like. And so, you know, I think about that. I I think about humility. I think about love, but I also think about faithfulness. And I think that when I think about that word faithfulness, what it means to me is it's working with a level of excellence and finishing well, which I know you and I have talked about that so often. And when I look at Jesus as my example, but also as the model that God is using to shape me and form me, I look at the way that Jesus operated when he was on earth. He only did what he saw the father doing. In other words, he understood the assignment, you know, like he got it. Like, this is what I'm here for. I'm going to only do what I see the father doing. And, you know, one of the scriptures that I think about is the one that talks about how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And listen, that doesn't happen if you're producing shoddy work. It doesn't happen if you're not completing tasks on time. You don't grow in favor with man, you know, or with God, if, if that's what's happening. And then I think about how he actually completed his mission. He completed the plan that God had for him. And that was really costly for him personally. But despite that difficulty, he not only finished, but he finished well. And so I think the call to how my work influences my spiritual formation, you know, as Christ followers, it, it might, your work might impact your spiritual formation, but I would just agree with what you were saying earlier. It's the reality is that our spiritual formation should really be influencing our work in such a way that these things are being manifested. When I look back on my work, it's those three, it's humility, it's love, it's faithfulness. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And it, it reminds me of, I don't know if I've said it anywhere online at all, but um, someone said to me once that in her mind, spiritual formation was really about living faithfully. And mm. that just came to mind as you were talking, just because I think when we think about living faithfully, that's such a blanket statement. I mean, over yeah. every area of life, including our work. When we think about our jobs, I usually don't look back and think about 
all the tasks I was doing until I'm working on my resume. Most of the time I'm thinking about the experiences. I'm thinking about, you know, what experience did I have? What did I learn from that job? Who are the people that influenced me? Um, Where was I passionate in that work? And where was I not as passionate in that work? You know, where were my skills used? Where were they not used? And it actually matches up so well with what we talk about in spiritual formation. So much of our life is interconnected. I just, I wholly believe in interconnectedness. And um, I think that's something that a lot of us probably missed in church was that it was like your life with God was kind of existent, mostly in church. Or if you did maybe a Bible study outside of church or in a small group or something, but actually life with God is, Hey, all of life, (laughs) living faithfully and having that humility and the love. Um, Gosh, that just those are the things that help us become like Christ. Because listen, I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to be a lot like Jesus in my, in my quiet time when there's no one else around. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But you get me into an office environment where people don't have the same work ethic. They don't maybe have the same faith belief. They, you know, misunderstand, you know, I'm walking through Mm -hmm. a situation right now with, with the current assignment where I think there are some misunderstanding about who I am, what my role is. And, you know, people don't want to be held accountable, which as the chief of all things, that's my job is to hold people accountable. And, you know, that could be a really difficult situation to walk in, especially if you're just looking to take up for yourself in those, in those moments. And so it's in those moments that, you know, when, when somebody says something or hurts my feelings or leaves me out of something or, you know, what it's in those moments that I have to say, okay, Lord, what is the right response here? Mm-hmm. What is not, what is my knee jerk response? Not how do I want to respond, but what is the right response here? What is the best way to reflect you, Jesus, in this moment? Is it to be quiet? Is it to speak up? Because I think we see that in the Bible. I think we see that Jesus responds to things differently. So it's not ever just this blanket statement, you know, be the good Christian girl and just, you know, keep a smile on your face and toe the line. Sometimes we are called to step forth and step up. And so I do myself and my team and those around me a disservice if I leave my faith on the shelf you know, if I just have it in the morning and my quiet time, and then I leave it on the shelf and then I go get ready for work and I'm a different person. I mean, the reality is, is that we are interconnected, our, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And all of that goes with us everywhere we go. And so why not think about it and, and have that at the forefront of our mind when we're in, in our places of work or serving our clients or raising our families? Why not have that as, you know, what, our lens that we use in order to lead well. Yeah. Well, and I think too, what you were saying, it's such a good mark of a leader, this, this level of discernment when you're in a hard situation, a choice that I think it is to live faithfully. Gosh, I mean, that's, that's the mark of a leader. So let's, let's talk about how to develop our skills as leaders then. So first, what do you think are some mindset shifts that we might need to make that you've just noticed from mentoring others or from your own personal experience either way? (laughs) Yeah. I think the main mindset shift is that a leader is I think most people think about a leader as being somebody with a big title or yeah. even a big following, if you will, you know, especially in this age of social media, it's like, oh, they're, they're a leader, they're an influencer, you know, but 
to to me, the definition of a leader is somebody who, well, I was looking it up actually, but it it's somebody who rules, who guides or inspires others. That's when I looked up what, because I'm like, I think I, don't you do that? Like where you're like, I, totally. I don't know what that word means, but what does it real? what does it actually mean? Yeah. <laughs> But that's what it says. This is a person who rules or guides or inspires others. So I love that because that's actually what I want to focus on just in the most practical way. What does that mean for you and I? If we don't have a C-level title, if we don't, if we're not a manager, if we're just doing our, our own business every day, what does it look like to live as a leader, to lead yourself well, as we've been talking about? So for me, my call out to you and your community is this is actually our call. As ambassadors for the kingdom of God, we are called to be leaders, regardless of our title, of our position, or or what our jobs are. So how do we live life as leaders? How do we rule? How do we guide? And how do we inspire others? So let's break that down. So how do we rule? Proverbs 25, 28 says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So the first thing is to be a good leader, you need to be able to rule over your own spirit. Mm. In other words, you've got to be able to operate with a level of self-control, a level of self-discipline so that you can not only lead yourself well, but you can lead others well. You got to be able to take inventory of your life. You have to look at your physical life, your mental life, your emotional, relational, financial life, like all these different aspects of your life. And I would encourage you to ask God, where are my walls broken down? Maybe you've got great self-control and great self-discipline in your physical life, but your financial life is a bit broken down. Or maybe you're doing great in the emotional, mental sector, but your relational walls are broken down. So the first thing to lead yourself well, the mindset shift is number one, you are a leader. And what does a leader look like? First of all, they rule. They rule over their own spirits well. So that's the first thing is where are my walls broken down? Where do I need to begin ruling over my own spirit and exercising a level of self-control and self-discipline? The second thing is 2 Timothy 4 talks about preaching the word, being ready in and out of season, being able to correct and warn, exhort and, and encourage others. And so my encouragement to you is that God has a message that he wants to speak through your life as a means of guiding others back to him. And so, you know, you'd never think about following a guide down a trail or on a hike that wasn't familiar with the territory. You know, if somebody just said to me, hey, come on this hike, I've never been, but follow me. I would be like, no, pass, hard pass, you know? And so if part of being a leader means being able to guide others, then we have to have walked that path ourselves first. And when it comes to guiding others back to God, that first starts with hearing and living that message for ourselves. It comes through prioritizing, spending time with God in his word and growing in intimacy with him, being strengthened in that identity that we were talking about earlier. And that's your own quiet time, your own devotional time that's in a corporate setting, whether that's in a church or a small group or, you know, whatever that looks like. It's it's guiding your, being guided well through the word and then being able to guide others. And I'm not talking about being a Bible teacher. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about letting the message, the good news of God 
that he wants to speak through your life, it means actually living that message and, mm -hmm. and being a good leader of others, as we've been talking about, it starts with leading yourself well. And so we have mm -hmm. to not only be hearers of the word, we have to be doers of the word mm -hmm. as, as it says in James. And then finally, you got to be able to inspire others. And I have an encouragement for you because Ooh. the word inspire comes from the Latin inspiro, which translates to, to breathe. So Ooh. we don't have to be like this really famous, you know, influencer or celebrity. We don't have to have a big title. We just have to be able to breathe life into other people. And so here's what we know. We have the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of us. We have the power of death and life on our tongue. We have the ability to encourage and build one another up. And so God has empowered you to breathe life into other people. You don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a high level position. You just have to be willing to be used of God wherever, whenever, and to whomever he sends you. Yeah. It bears saying that we're not talking about this is how you become a leader so that you can climb the corporate ladder. No, we're not, not saying that. We're not saying this is what you need to be a leader for X, Y, Z reasons to improve your career, do these things. This is just about living faithfully. This is about yes. becoming like Jesus. This is about our own spiritual formation. And, you know, one of the things I think I, pro I probably don't talk about it enough in relation to spiritual formation. Um, but I, because I focus so much on the inner life, because that's what I think I'm good at is focusing on that. But my gosh, like we all know the things that are in us, they will come out <laughs> one way yes, or another. That, yes, you know, the things that we are practicing, the things that the habits that we form, we will influence other people one way or another for good or for ill. And so how do we influence other people? Um, through our through our relationship with God, and that's yeah. that's what we're focusing on here is being leaders in that way first. Okay, so what then? We've got the mindset down, which is well down. <laughs> that's hard, actually. I don't want to yeah. gloss over that. It's hard. Yeah. Um, but what are some really practical ways that we can practice being a leader? Well, I think it's what you're talking about. I think it's about you know having an awareness of, of where our, maybe our strengths are as well as opportunities for growth. And I think that also lends itself to, you know, spiritual formation isn't going to happen in a vacuum. It's going yeah. to happen both in a prayer closet, just you and the Lord, but it's going to happen in the context of relationship with other people. And so whether that is a community like your church or it's a small group setting, like a, a women's group or what have you, or if it's just one-to-one -one mentorship, it's opening yourself up to having other people, trusted people, sincere, you know, men and women of the word, like being able to speak life into you, to be able to help you see where your blind spots are. Um, because again, a leader is somebody who has trust and influence with others. And so I think the, a very practical measure of that is, are you trustworthy? And I'm not talking about, are you embezzling money from your company? I'm talking <laughs> about, do you, are you somebody that does what she says she's going to do? Yeah. Do you do it in a timely manner? Are you trustworthy with yourself? That was a really big thing for me is like, mm -hmm. I was keeping all kinds of promises to other people 
And I was breaking all kinds of promises with myself. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes being a good leader in a very practical way means looking at your calendar, looking at your checkbook and asking yourself, do these things align with who I say I am and the values that I claim to have in my life? So there's just very practical things like that, that you can be checking on for yourself. Do you have an example of a time when you weren't giving, when you were breaking your promises to yourself that you're willing to share with us? Yeah. And I read you guys that scripture earlier about, you know, your, your walls being broken down, you know, not having a rule over your own spirit is like a city being, you know, a city walls being broken down. And it's, it's what I'm talking about. It's, you're not going to have perfection in all of those areas. It's, right. it's like spinning plates. You know, sometimes you're going to be really strong in your physical wellness one season, but maybe your relational wellness takes a backseat. And so I think for me, I tend to put others before myself. And sometimes that's to the detriment of my own health. And so one of the things that I've had to practice is not had to, that I've gotten to practice is taking quarterly personal retreats. Mm -hmm. And so that's a way that I have been able to say, even though it may not be convenient, even though I have to make some sacrifices to make this happen, this is an opportunity for me to prioritize my physical and my mental and my emotional and my spiritual wellness so that I am actually practicing the words that I'm preaching. I, I don't ever want to be somebody that is preaching something I'm not already practicing. For me, if I'm going to declare something to people, if I'm going to encourage or mentor or disciple people in a certain way, I need to be living that message first and, mm. and, and embodying that message for myself first. And so, yeah, I think for me, that's a really practical way where I wasn't leading myself well, and I, I needed to kind of check myself. And, and again, thankfully, I had good friends and mentors that were around me that would notice, do you maybe need some time away? Have you eaten? <laughs> you know? Do you need some time away? And so, you know, just again, opening yourself up to other people speaking true but loving things to you really does help you lead better in your life. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned the quarterly retreats because actually that's what the bonus Patreon episode is going to be about shameless plug. Um, if you want to hear more about quarterly retreats and how Carla does them and why she does them um, and how they can influence your spiritual formation, uh, you need to be a formation patron. That's what I'm saying. Okay, enough of that. But anyway, Carla, this has been an absolute delight for me. I, I, I just adore you. I think the world of you, and I am so glad that you were able to be my very first guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Oh, you're so welcome. I am so grateful for Carla and her wisdom and encouragement today. Be sure to follow her on Instagram and check the show notes and description for other ways to connect with her. Y'all, I'm telling you, you, she is the type of person that you want to have in your corner. Be sure to follow her in all the places. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app and on YouTube so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Now, here's to keeping life with God simple, never shallow. <laughs> right, uh, right.
in a few minutes. I feel like I'm still, my brain is processing. <laughs> this part might be edited out <laughs> because I'm like, where do I want to go from here? <laughs> Yay! We did it! 